It is Thursday, December 24th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 16 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola, and it is Christmas Eve for those celebrating. Uh, Jared, that's why we're doing this early. I don't know about you. I've been up for three hours, but I haven't even eaten breakfast or brushed my teeth yet because I'm busy trying to get this ready and get it in for Week 16 before the, the holiday duties take over. Yeah, I had the early wake-up call yesterday when my daughter got up around 5 a.m., so I've been ahead of the game as far as, you know, getting prepped for this pod. (laughs) Nice. That's the one thing the kids will help you with, at least when they're too young, to then totally occupy you for the rest of the day. It is championship week in most fantasy football leagues, and I think, Jared, that only increases the chances that people are going to hear some version of start your studs or dance with the one that brought you. I think that's oversimplified at this yeah. point. There are only so many actual studs in fantasy at this point because the ball gets spread around more than it used to. The message is think about who you're starting, but don't overthink it. I mean, you still want to play the best plays. I think when we say start your studs, it means, you know, rely on guys where we've seen it for longer than, you know, maybe just a week or two. Yeah. So think, but don't overthink, you know, pay attention to who you're putting in your lineup. There might be, there are going to be some guys who are better players than others, even in close ranges, but don't overdo it by going away from somebody who delivers almost always for somebody with a cute matchup this week. Exactly. So let's get to that slate, which is going to start with one Friday game this week, Minnesota Vikings at new Orleans saints four thirty on Christmas day in the East saints by seven and a half. Uh, the over-under is 51. I, to me, seven and a half points seems like a, a big line for a team that just struggled against the Chiefs. Yeah, it does after how Breeze looked in that one. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I respect the Saints' D quite a bit. I, I think it's a tough spot for the Vikings' offense here. Like, I, you know, I would not want to be using Kirk Cousins this week. You know, we, we just saw the Saints hold uh, Patrick Mahomes to a career low 5.4 yards per attempt. They're six in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks on the season. So, you know, for me on the Saint on the Vikings side, it's really just the you know two wide receivers and Dalvin Cook. I think Kirk Cousins is a little bit more solid than that. He has thrown 35-plus passes in four straight games now. Um, I would probably play him over Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford. They're just ahead of him in our rankings this week. But, I mean, that's still outside the top 12. I wouldn't be surprised if Kirk Cousins lands inside the top 12. I certainly agree that he's not somebody to to reach out for to play this week. Yeah, I mean, I think Stafford and Ryan is kind of white, right where he belongs. All those guys have their own question marks. Yeah, I agree with that. On the Saints side, Drew Brees did struggle last week, but he still got to 20 fantasy points even mm-hmm. without Michael Thomas around. So he, he's certainly in play in a better matchup against Minnesota this week. Yeah, Brees is such a tough call for me. He's like you said, he, he did not look good in that game. Still came through in fantasy. Um, he's at home here. You don't got to worry about weather. The you know the implied total kind of says we should think about playing him. He's not going to have Michael Thomas. He's probably not going to have Traquan Smith. Um, so you know it, it's a pretty barren group of pass catchers. He's a borderline quarterback one for me. I think, you know, I, I think the dividing line this week will be like who you'd play over Russell Wilson, who, who we'll talk about. I, I would play Drew Brees over Russell Wilson. Um, not feel great about it, but I, I think Brees will likely end up with more fancy points this week. Yes, I agree with that. As somebody who started Drew Brees in DFS last week in our particular competitions, I was watching the game thinking, oh, God, he's not going to get there. And then it was like all of a sudden it got to the end of the game and Drew Brees was like, oh, crap, we're going to lose this game. I got to at least put something on the board. And they yeah. finally got that that touchdown to kind of put him over the, the fantasy threshold. 
He did look better in the second half, and especially, I guess, in the fourth quarter and had the nice throw to Emmanuel Sanders deep down the field. So maybe he was just knocking off some rust. Emmanuel Sanders, I think, looks fine, given that there's no Michael Thomas and probably no Traquan Smith. Uh, not a, a not a safe bet for volume, but the volume should be there. And again, you mentioned the matchup. It looks like a matchup that is supposed to produce points for us. It's one of only four games this week that has a 50-plus point over-under. I mean, the Saints are going to be throwing out like uh, little Jordan Humphrey. Uh, I know Marquez Callaway might be back. So, I mean, it, it really should be, you know, Sanders, Kamara, and then, you know, Jared Cook is the top three uh, targets in the passing game this week. Yeah, Jared Cook looks like an okay play, especially because the Vikings look like they'll still be without linebacker Eric Kendricks. He didn't play last week. He's still not practicing so far this week. Just five targets for Jared Cook last week, just two catches. But, I mean, that's okay volume in the way that tight end is going right now. Yeah, I'd expect similar volume in this game. Uh, Cook did run around 68% of the dropback. So the the usage was pretty solid. And, again, it's it's a good spot for the Saints offense. Tampa Bay Bucks at Detroit Lions to start the Saturday slate at one o'clock Eastern this week. Bucks by nine and a half in this one. That's up two from where it opened. Over under 54 is tied for second highest on the week, thanks to the Bucks side of this. It's a great spot for everything on the Tampa Bay side. That includes Leonard Fournette, who looks like an RB1 level play with Ronald Jones on the COVID list until at least Saturday. Yeah, I mean, assuming Jones is out and it seems like that's going to be the case. I mean, Fournette handled 14 of the 16 running back carries last week. He got five of the nine running back targets, and the Lions are the best matchup for fantasy running backs. Yeah, I think Fournette is a top 12 play this week. It feels gross, but it's it's the way. Yeah, Brady rebounded from a rough first half at Atlanta to to finish with 390 passing yards, two touchdowns. I mean, you don't have to sell this matchup. It's basically whether Tom Brady throws the ball enough. Based on the guys that we're looking at in like the the bottom of QB1 to top of QB2 range, I feel pretty good about Tom Brady versus those other players this week. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think you just start everyone against the Lions at this point. Like you said, the Bucs have the second highest implied total on the weekend. You know, Brady hasn't looked good for a while now. You know, he's still throwing multiple touchdowns in five straight games. He's been over 8.4 yards per attempt in four of those five games. So he's getting it done from a fantasy perspective. He's like Yoda at this point. He's like, at 44 years old, you are look as good. You will not. (laughs) Detroit side, Matthew Stafford was limited Wednesday, so that's good for him. He barely practiced last week, then did play against Tennessee. I would love to not need Matthew Stafford, but uh, because it's a potentially busy pass rush from Tampa Bay, and it could just be an ugly game, and he he doesn't have a whole lot around him. But I guess if you need Stafford, I mean, he's – he might be one of the. He might be the toughest guy in the league at the position. Yeah, you know, I, I like him as a DFS play. If you're playing like the Saturday slate, I wouldn't want to lean on him in season long if I could help it. Um, yeah, I I still think Tampa's a defense that we can attack. I mean, they've allowed a 72 percent completion rate over their last five games now. Um, but yeah, Stafford banged up. Still no Kenny Galladay. You know, he, he's outside our top 12 quarterbacks for the week. Yeah, it's a boom-bust matchup. I agree with that Saturday slate for Matthew Stafford because the quarterback's really not exciting uh, overall in yeah. those three games. And um, that the other besides Stafford, there's no Lion that I'm playing at a higher-than-usual level for yeah. this matchup either. Yeah, I mean, it's Marvin Jones, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift. I think all those guys are strong plays at their respective positions. Uh, you know, Hawkinson had his first dud last week in quite a while. Marvin Jones has seen like wide receiver one usage since Kenny Galladay's been out. And DeAndre Swift got a nice bump, you know, from 
two weeks ago in his first game back. He had 15 carries, uh, all five running back targets last week. The playing time was up a bit. Bucks are a tough matchup, obviously, but you know someone like Swift, you can also do it in the passing game. If you look at the running backs that have done well against Tampa, really the past couple seasons, like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, obviously studs, but guys who can do some damage in the passing game. I, I think Swift is, you know, like a poor man's version of CMC and Kamara. Yeah, I mean, DeAndre Swift is in starter range because there's really not a whole lot to like any week at running back. So just yeah. on, on expected volume, he's top 20. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't do a whole lot in this one, but we'll see. He's certainly starting for most of the teams. One final lion to watch is Matt Prater, who didn't practice Wednesday with a back injury. So, I mean, if he's been your kicker, you probably need to go ahead and get somebody else. Yeah, I would definitely look elsewhere um, you know, with the Lions having the, the pretty low implied total this week and, and Prater banged up. San Francisco 49ers at Arizona Cardinals on at 4.30 Eastern on Saturday. Cardinals by five, over under 48 and a half, down two from where it opened. The Niners are moving on to another quarterback. Nick Mullins needs elbow surgery. He's done for the year. C.J. Beathard is in. He hasn't started a game yet this year, but he does have 10 previous starts under his belt. He has averaged 243.7 passing yards on those 10 starts, 1.1 touchdowns, 1.2 interceptions, 19.1 rushing yards, four total rushing touchdowns in that span. So C.J. Beathard's a little bit mobile. Overall, I would say the impact here is he's probably basically the same thing as Nick Mullins in terms of impacting the rest of the Niners skill guys. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think the only question is like, do targets get distributed any differently, you know, with a new quarterback in there? I still think Brandon Ayuk is going to be the clear top dog here. You know, he has been awesome for, you know, six games now. It's been it was interrupted by some some COVID issues, but he's been good for a while. So you're starting him. I think Jordan Reed is like a, a fringe guy. You know, he's averaging a little over five targets per game over the last five. So, you know, he's a borderline tight end one. And then in the backfield, um, Raheem Mostert out. Jeff Wilson not on this week's injury report. You know, it seemed like he tweaked a hamstring last week, but evidently he's fine. So I, I think, you know, the Niners haven't seemed to want to go to Tevin Coleman. Jarek McKinnon's been invisible lately. So I think Jeff Wilson is going to dominate backfield touches in this game. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Wilson Jr. could be a, a strong play this week, could definitely land inside the top 10 by the end of the week. Is there a chance that we get George Kittle back this week, though, to, to take Jordan Reed out of our consideration? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, sounds like it's a possibility. Um, and, you know, for me, like, if Kittle's back, I'm playing Kelsey over him. I'm playing Waller over him. I'm playing Mark right. Andrews over him. That might be it. I mean, I think, I think Hawkinson versus Kittle would be a close call. But other than that, you know, Kittle's in my lineup. I mean, it, 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 I would love to know how many owners have George Kittle and TJ Hawkinson or Mark Andrews or anybody like that. So yeah. I, I agree. I'm, I've been holding George Kittle in one league where I'm in the title game this week. So if he's back in the lineup, I'm playing him. He reportedly, at least according to one beat writer, has looked like George Kittle at practice this week. You know, we'll have to watch him throughout the week because he's not actually activated yet. So we can't yeah. assume he's playing, but it's definitely somebody worth watching. Most players would be like, I don't trust him his first game back. But if George Kittle's back and the Niners feel comfy enough to play him in this game, then I'm certainly using him. Yeah, his return from injury earlier this season was that massive, like, 13 catch, 150. I mean, it's a different injury this time around. It's a foot. Those can be tricky. There's risk. But, I mean, again, any tight end outside those top three or four can give you, you know, two points. So. Yeah, and I, again, if the Niners feel comfy enough with his condition to put him in the game, it's pretty clear that they believe he can play. Kyle Shanahan said earlier this year that George Kittle is one of the few guys that he would be okay with playing, even if he doesn't practice at all during the week. Yeah. On the Arizona side, 
Don't be surprised if Kyler Murray's production is subdued a little bit. The Niners' fifth toughest matchup for QBs by our adjusted fantasy points allowed for the season. Uh, Kyler threw for just 230 yards, one touchdown, one pick in the week one meeting. Also ran for 91 and a touchdown in that game, of course. So he's solidly inside our top 10. Mm -hmm. The rushing efficiency hasn't been there lately, though. Um, So, I mean, it's a close decision between guys like Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts this week. Yeah, that's sort of the other decision point this week is, you know, who who would you start Jalen Hurts over? I would lean Kyler Murray just because we've seen it, just because, the you know, the, the rushing efficiency hasn't been there, but the volume is back. He has 21 carries over his last two games. I think at any time now, you know, we could see his yards per carry spike back up. Like you said, he had the big game against San Francisco earlier this season. So, yeah, I, um, I'm still starting Kyler as a, a top five play slightly ahead of Jalen Hurts this week. I think if I'm deciding between those guys, I might have to lean Hurts against Dallas, but it's basically a coin flip. And I think if you are making a decision like that, you have to know that there's really no way none of us truly knows just because of the nature of the way both of these guys play. It's not like we're expecting 40 pass attempts from either of them and we're just projecting their passing performance. I mean, if either guy scores or doesn't score a rushing touchdown, it could dramatically change his fantasy outcome. Yeah, and this goes back to the whole, you know, like quote unquote start your studs thing. It's just that we, we we've seen Kyler been, you know, doing this most of the season. He had the one cold stretch, obviously, where the shoulder was an issue. But we, we just have a, a bigger sample with Murray. So I just feel a bit safer with him. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about Jalen Hurts when we get to that game. Um elsewhere on the Arizona side. I mean, the receiver picture is pretty obvious at this point. Kenny Drake in the backfield, though, far from safe this week. Not only is the matchup, you know, somewhat difficult, but a hobbled Chase Edmonds carried more times than he did last week. Yeah, Chase Edmonds was like a true game time decision. He was expected to be limited. He ended up out snapping Kenny Drake, um, out carried him, out targeted him. Kenny Drake, it looked like he hobbled off the field in that game against the Eagles at one point, but he's not on the injury report this week. Chase Edmonds is on the injury report. He didn't practice on Wednesday. So, I mean, I, I've been getting this backfield wrong all season. Uh, so there's obviously risk with both guys. I guess we have to assume Drake is healthier at this point, so I would still lean towards him as the better play. But, again, it's you know it, it seems to be a tough situation to peg from week to week. Yeah, I'd be playing DeAndre Swift for sure over both of these guys. Yeah, me too. I think Kenyon Drake's going to be one of those guys that he's like 38 and retired and kind of like got the limp when he's walking around. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Miami Dolphins at Las Vegas Raiders on Saturday night at 8:15. Dolphins by three over under 48. On the Miami side, Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker, Mike Jasicki all have injuries worth watching again. They were all three limited the first two days in practice this week, though. though. So, I mean, all three certainly have a chance to play in this game. I think the return of any of them complicates the outlook for Lynn Bowden. Parker or Jasicki, really the two most interesting players to me here. I mean, Parker is the number one receiver when he's healthy. We'll see about him. Jasicki. 11 and six targets his past two games, five plus catches, 65 plus yards and two straight touchdowns and three straight. So, I mean, if he's back, it's tough to not play him at tight end. Yeah. He's definitely going to be in the top 12. Um, You know, the Raiders, the one position they've defended relatively well this season has been tight end. So not as good a matchup for Gasicki as the other guys. I think Parker is, you know, probably in lineups as at least a wide receiver three. He he seemed close to playing last week. So he he seems like ahead of Jakeem Grant, as far as their hamstrings go. Um, Yeah. And if, all three of those guys are back. I'd be worried about Lynn Bowden. I think he'd only be like a DFS play for me. I mean, I'm I'm basically ignoring Lynn Bowden unless all of those guys are out again. And it's worth noting too on Jaseki that he he really is not a, a tight end in terms of matchups. He plays wide receiver much more. So I think that makes the matchup better for him uh, against Vegas. 
in the backfield, Miles Gaskins back from the COVID list. So that adds risk to Salvin Ahmed. It makes it a, an unclear situation. I mean, we've seen strong touch volume in each of Ahmed's past three healthy games, but we haven't seen him yet in a game with Miles Gaskins since Ahmed uh, emerged as an option. Yeah, I think this is one of the more like important questions of the week because as, as we've talked about, Miami has favored a clear lead back all season. It was Miles Gaskin early. He went down. Ahmed took over. DeAndre Washington had a game as, you know, a you know, borderline workhorse against the Chiefs. They were back to Ahmed last week. Miles Gaskin, when he's been healthy for the last six games, has been their lead guy. I would bet on Miami going back to him in that role. Maybe, you know, they work in Ahmed and Matt Breda a little bit more. Um, but I don't know, especially in the matchup, you know, the Raiders 31st in football outsiders run D, they're 30th in adjusted points against running backs. Um, I'd, I'd be willing to gamble on Miles Gaskin, you know, unless I'm stacked at the position. Yeah, I wish that they were in a tougher matchup than playing yeah. Vegas this week so that I could just ignore the backfield. But I mean, really, the truth is none of us knows because yeah. none of these guys are, are really established players. None of them has done anything before this season. Uh, and, and so we're waiting to see. We haven't seen them play together yet. So it's going to be a guess no matter who's making the call here. It's you would think that after the way Ahmed has played in his three games that he would have earned touches. But Gaskin was good earlier this season, too. So I don't know. I would love to think that we'll get some kind of clarity from Dolphins coaches, but I highly doubt it, given their background with the Patriots. So, I mean, it's going to end up being a gut call for people making a decision on this one. Yeah, again, I think the matchup's good enough where, you know, even if Gaskin ends up splitting 50-50, he's, he's probably not going to kill you. Let's hit a question from um, Twitter real quick because we've got a, a question involving both of these guys. J3 Chris 1518 uh, via Periscope has Ahmed, has Miles Gaskin, has Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, Mike Davis, Kareem Hunt, JD McKissick, needs three of those players. I think, assuming Christian McCaffrey's out, Mike Davis and Kareem Hunt yeah. are the two, are the first two for me. We're going to have to wait and see on the Washington backfield. We'll get to that one. Antonio Gibson might be back. If Gibson's not back, I think McKissick is my third, and I'm just ignoring the other two backfields. Yep, I'm with you there. And then if Gibson is back, um, Gaskin would be my third guy in alongside Davis and Hunt. Yeah, so definitely a question where you're going to have to watch multiple situations throughout the rest of the week, and, and we'll see. On the Raiders side of this Dolphins game, Derek Carr put in a full practice Wednesday, so we'll see who's playing QB for Vegas this week. Yeah, um, yeah, I think Mariota is almost more exciting from a fantasy perspective because of the rushing. I, I think in the matchup and with the injury, um, you know, Carr isn't someone I'd be playing in season long this week. I do think he's probably still better for, you know, Nelson Aguilar or Darren Waller. Despite Mariota playing well in relief last week, I still feel safer about Carr. Yeah, I mean, it's well worth noting that Mariota faced a bad Chargers defense that also lost Joey Bosa to a concussion early in that game. So a much tougher matchup this week against Miami. I'm definitely not touching Derek Carr. I'm not particularly interested in Mariota if yeah. Carr doesn't play. Uh, Josh Jacobs in a fine spot. Darren Waller's obvious at this point. It is a tougher matchup for Nelson Aguilar, no matter who his quarterback is. Yeah. He remains the bet, I think, among Raiders wideouts, but uh, he's outside the top 36 for sure. It's not somebody I'm chasing this week. Yeah, agreed. Um, you know, volume has been nice. Uh, you know, saw another eight targets last week. He has 8.6 targets per game over the last five. He, Aguilar has run uh, 33% of his routes from the slot this season, so he, he he will avoid those tough Miami outside corners for a bit of the game. 
I think he's okay. You know, like you said, it doesn't make wide receiver three range, but he, he's okay if you need him. And the over-under is at 48, but I, I think I would bet the under in this game. This doesn't look like an exciting game to me with a lot of points coming. Agreed. On to the Indianapolis Colts and Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. Colts by two in this one. The over-under is 45. It's the second lowest of the week, and I think that says most of what we need to know about this game. This is not a good-looking fantasy uh, matchup. The Steelers' defense is down Bud Dupree for several weeks now. It also had to start a backup safety at inside linebacker against Cincinnati last week. They should get Vince Williams back from the COVID list there, but the Steelers are still weak at coverage at linebacker. They're vulnerable at cornerback. I'm not calling it a good matchup at this point, but the pasty is probably a little bit more penetrable than it was earlier this season. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, I'm still, you know, jumping off Phillip Rivers if you had been using him. I mean, the, the Colts' last four games have been Tennessee, Houston, Las Vegas, Houston, all four of those games indoors. You know, it was just set up perfectly for Rivers in the passing game. Now, now they go outside, you know, in Pittsburgh against, you know, a still tough defense. So off Phillip Rivers, you know, T.B. Hilton, the only guy in the passing game I think you're using here. You know, he is still seeing good enough usage where I think he's he's a wide receiver three option in this game. Yeah, I agree with all that. And the run D is still strong for Pittsburgh, so it could be a tough week for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, tough matchup. I think, you know, you need to be loaded to bench him because he's getting the rushing volume, about 18 carries per game over his last four. Now, he's even kind of pulled even with Naheem Hines in the passing game. Uh, both guys have seen 10 targets now over the last three games. So, you know, that, that, that raises Taylor's floor even in the tough matchup. Yeah, and it could be an upside matchup for that running back passing game. Philip Rivers, we know historically, is not scared to throw the ball to his running back, so I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if we get some volume there. I think Naheem Hines carries some upside if like you're looking beyond starter range, yeah. you know, beyond picking between Dolphins running backs. I think there's a little bit of upside to him. A little bit. This is another game where I don't think it's going to be a ton of points, so I wouldn't be looking for, you know, fringe options here. I agree with that. On the Steelers side, the offense sucks right now, like to a shocking degree. 244 total yards against Cincinnati, 224 against Buffalo, four straight games under 20 points, nine turnovers in that span. Yeah, um, you know, not not a lot that we can trust here. I mean, you're obviously not starting Ben Roethlisberger. I think in the wide receiver core, I mean, Deontay Johnson is still producing despite his drops, despite the Steelers' struggles. Um, he has eight plus catches in four of the last five games. He's averaging over 12 targets per game over that span. So you're starting Deontay Johnson. Juju is like, I'd be okay with him in PPR. He has six plus catches in seven of his last nine games. He's averaging 53 yards per game over that span, eight yards per catch. You know, like the rest of the offense, everything with Juju is just short. So he's okay in PPR, not a lot of upside in on the. It's truly amazing how bad this offense has been lately. Juju, by the way, needs to do less dancing on logos, a little more dancing after the catch. I think he said he said he said for the betterment of his team, he's done with the uh, pregame TikTok stuff. It's such a stupid thing to do. Like, I mean, it's 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 such a teenage girl TikTok thing to do, and and so dumb for football because you know that you're playing against people who are going to be like, you can't dance on my logo, but. As dumb as I think that is, I think it's even dumber to be a fan and be like, oh, Juju makes me so mad dancing on the logo painted on the field. It's dumb, but it's also like the Steelers' like 1,000th biggest problem right now. So I don't <laughs> think Juju not TikToking is going to fix anything here. No, I think that that's the only thing that's been holding them back, honestly. <laughs> um, I, think, I think Randy Fichtner is so mad about it, he can't even call plays. <laughs> All right. Pittsburgh, I think you avoid the backfield, especially if James Conner returns, because that only complicates a volume picture in what's already been a crappy situation. Yeah, Conner was a full go in practice on Wednesday, so it looks like he's going to be back for this game. I agree. I would, you know, bet on him leading the backfield, but we could see more Snell. You know, they've mixed 
Anthony McFarlane in. Most importantly, it's just it's been an ineffective running game for most of the season. Yeah, and a bad offense lately, too. And it's a tough matchup against the Colts. Colts yep. are a good defensive play this week. Yep. On to Carolina Panthers at Washington. Washington by one. They opened as a two-point favorite. Over-under 44.5. It's the week's lowest over-under. And the first thing we have to watch is Christian McCaffrey, of course. Not yet ruled out, but also not yet practicing. So, you know, we'll see if he gets there by the weekend. But I think at this point you have to plan on Mike Davis playing again. The matchup is not great. So Davis is really just a volume play toward the bottom of RB2 territory. Yeah, matchup's not great. Just watching that game against the Packers last week, Davis just looked banged up to me at points of it. He His usage wasn't great. He only played 54% of the snaps. We saw, uh, who was it, Rodney Smith coming in quite a bit. So, you know, Davis is, to me, just like a low upside running back too, considering how he's played, the usage, and the matchup. Yeah, I'm not reaching for anything Carolina in this game. It does look like all three wideouts are healthy. Curtis Samuel's on the injury report with a hamstring, but he put in a full practice Wednesday. So it's a tough coverage matchup for the wide receiver group. All of them are in play at varying levels. Yeah, if you look at their last four games together, DJ Moore leading the way in targets with 35. Curtis Samuel next with 29. Then Robbie Anderson is third with 27. So I think, you know, Moore at this point has become the top wide receiver play here and then you know Anderson and Samuel to me are both like wide receiver threes yeah and to me they're all outside of the top 24 yeah yeah I think Moore is you know right right on that that borderline and no thanks on Teddy Bridgewater versus a defense just shut down Russell Wilson as far as I'm concerned agreed on the Washington side Alex Smith seems like he's trending toward playing limited Wednesday you know Ron Rivera is visiting the church in between every practice praying that he doesn't have to go back to Dwayne Haskins this week yeah, um, and assuming it's Smith, uh, I think, you know, good news for J.D. McKissick. Um, you know, maybe slight downgrade for Terry McLaurin. Uh, you're still starting him, I think. Uh, Logan Thomas has turned into, like, a, an obvious must-start at tight end. Um, nine, seven, and 15 targets over his last three games now. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Gibson put in a limited practice Wednesday. Good matchup if he makes it back from turf toe. We're going to have to watch him through the week. He would hurt J.D. McKissick, but I think that would be balanced out by Alex Smith being a positive influence on J.D. McKissick's outlook. Right. Yeah. I still think you can start McKissick in PPR if Gibson's out. I mean, McKissick has also seen 24 carries over the last two games, so he's a nice starter in non-PPR if Gibson's out. And Gibson would be tough. And the turf toe things are always scary. He would definitely come with elevated risk in fantasy lineups if he is back this week. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins, by the way, could be a fun player in the XFL next year. Cardale <laughs> <laughs> Jones. Yeah. Atlanta Falcons at Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs by 10.5, over under a 54. It's tied for second highest of the week, thanks to the Chiefs side. So let's do the Chiefs side first. Yeah. You're playing everyone in serious contention, and that includes Le'Veon Bell as a pretty good option this week. 15 carries last week for 62 yards against a tough Saints run D in a game that Clyde edwards elair did leave, but not until late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I think Bell's a nice starter. The more I've dug into him this week, I've gotten – I've cooled on him a bit. Um, you know, Atlanta is has been a tough matchup on the ground all season. They're actually third in adjusted points allowed to running backs. Um, we also saw just a few weeks ago in that game, Everett Zolaire was you know, active but didn't play. Um, you know, the, the split between Le'Veon Bell and Darrell Williams was, was pretty close. And the Chiefs definitely like to use Williams in obvious passing situations. So I think, you know, that'll remain the case here. I think Bell, you know, he's an excellent touchdown bet considering the implied total here. If he doesn't score, though, I, I think, you know, he might be a bit disappointed. I don't think you're going to get, you know, a massive yardage game from him. Yeah, I do think that Bell is Clyde Edward D. Lair now, and Daryl Williams is at least Le'Veon Bell, probably a little bit yeah. above that. 
Yeah, that, that, that's, that's fair. Tyreek Hill bears watching. No practice Wednesday because of a hamstring issue. He showed up on last week's injury report with it, but he put in full workouts every day then. You could see him during the New Orleans game getting uh, that hamstring worked on in between drives. So he still played plenty, but you know we're going to have to watch just to make sure he's good to go this week. Yeah, for sure. I, I might add McCall Hardman if he's available. I think you know he'd get the biggest boost if Hill doesn't play this week. Yeah, I mean, McCole Hardman could be like a, a weak winner if Tyreek Hill does miss the game. McCole Hardman checked in third on the team in targets last week against the Saints, too. Had nine of those. Yep. Still fourth among Chiefs wideouts in playing time in that one. Sammy Watkins was second in that category. He remains the higher floor play than Hardman, I think, assuming that Tyreek Hill does play. Agreed. Um, you know, it seems it seems like Hardman was a, just a big part of the game plan last week for whatever reason. I don't, don't think you can count on that being the case again this week. Maybe it was because of Tyree Kill's hamstring. Could could be. It's, it's that definitely a big situation to watch here. On the Falcons side, I mean, they're all made more relevant by likely shootout conditions here, but yeah. I use the term shootout with clear finger quotes because I don't actually think that there's going to be shooting out here. I think it's going to be the Chiefs pulling ahead and the Falcons chasing desperately, which certainly can be good for passing production. Yeah, I, I'm still not trusting Matt Ryan, though. We talked about it last week. Last week was his first good fantasy game of the season without Julio Jones. And you, know, you look at the low implied total for Atlanta, the Chiefs pass the, it's not, you know, it's not a tough matchup, but it's not a pushover either. They're, they're you know, middle of the pack in football outsiders pass defense and adjusted points allowed to quarterback. So Ryan is not a quarterback one play for me this week, if I can help it. Yes, I agree. I would play Kirk Cousins over him because I believe in him as a player. And certainly I, I like the the wide receivers that Kirk Cousins yeah. brings with him better than the overall picture for Matt Ryan at this point. We're going to see about Julio Jones still not practicing Wednesday. It sounds like he's a little ahead of where he was at the beginning of last practice week. He got a one of those platelet-rich plasma injections into his leg to try to get back. So it's clear that he's trying to get back in the game. So, you know, again, We'll watch his progress through the week. Certainly can't count on him playing at the moment. He could impact the target outlook for Russell Gage, whether he plays or not. Gage, 8, 7, and 10 targets in the past three games. Four-plus catches, over 50 yards in each of those. He's been over 50 receiving yards in four of his past five. Yeah, I'm working under the assumption that Julio is not going to play. If he does, I think, you know, Ryan probably does, you know, boost up, you know, close to the top 12 in our rankings. Uh, Yeah, I think think Gage is a wide receiver three play just based on volume. I don't love the player, but he's getting enough volume where he's an option this week if Julio is still up. And Chiefs certainly aren't going to game plan against Russell Gage in this one. (laughs) Hayden Hurst is also in play in a positive matchup. Five targets, four catches last week, did score a touchdown, also had just 21 yards. So he's basically Dalton Schultz. Yes, basically. Um, you know, the Chiefs are 24th in adjusted points allowed to tight end, so it's a nice matchup for Hurst. Again, we expect the Falcons to throw it 40-plus times in this game. Anything else in that game? Nope, avoid the backfield still, like we've been saying for a while. Yeah, Edo Smith is now the starter there. If you need one, yeah. but uh, not somebody to go after. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's been leading the way anyways in snaps and touches, so I, I don't expect any change in usage this week. Cleveland Browns at New York Jets. Browns by 10, over under 47 and a half, up three and a half from open. That's just disrespectful to a Jets team that just went on the road and knocked <laughs> off the Rams. Yeah, and now they can like win and don't have anything. There's no like recourse to them winning because they've already lost the first pick. Well, unless Jacksonville beats Chicago this week, we uh, ain't gonna happen. <laughs> for this game, you play everything Browns. Don't let Jared Goff's Week 15 scare you off Baker Mayfield at all. Baker's been good. Over 250 passing yards, two plus touchdowns in four straight games now. Yep, a top 12 quarterback in all four of those games. The Jets are dead last in football outsiders past the. They've they've allowed. 
a league high eight top 12 quarterback performances this season. So feel good about Baker Jarvis Landry, obviously Richard Higgins, I think is a wide receiver three play this week. He's averaging eight targets per game over the last three. And again, the, the matchup was good against the jets. Yeah. Four plus catches, 68 plus yards in each of those games. And on the, I mean, so on the passing side, still even Austin Hooper, I think is back in play six targets yeah. last week. They were his most since week six, but he's had touchdowns in two of the past three, 70 plus percent playing time in three, in three straight, certainly not a safe option, but you know, the matchup and the way that the offense is rolling right now makes Hooper a decent bet at least. Yeah. The, the usage spiked back up last week, uh, 71% route rate for Austin Hooper, um, just dead last and adjusted points allowed to tight ends. Yeah. I think Hooper is a top 12 option this week. And the run defense, you don't need a, a sell job to get Nick Chubb in there and probably not even so much for Kareem Hunt, but that Jets run defense that we usually mention did take a big hit with Quinn and Williams going on IR this week with a neck injury. Yeah, I mean, you're starting Chubb, and I, I think Hunt is, you know, a, a decent RB2 as well. Now, this could be like a Titans game where just everybody yeah. scores points, even if Nick Chubb has a Derrick Henry day. Yep. On the Jets side, I mean, first of all, are you kidding me with six targets for Ty Johnson last week? Zero <laughs> the week before, two as the lead back in that game where Frank Gore left early against the Raiders the week before that. Just three carries last week against the Rams, so... I mean, Ty Johnson is funny, but he's not a fantasy factor, I don't think, right? I mean, no. I mean, six targets for Ty Johnson, 23 carries for Frank Gore in that game. Uh, I'm, I'm still – the only jet I consider here is Jamison Crowder, who, you know, his usage has been decent. 6.3 targets per game over the last three. So he's a low upside wide receiver three option. Yeah, I think Jamison Crowder becomes a better option if this game gets out of hand, which it definitely could. The best bet for Frank Gore is that this team, this game doesn't get out of hand somehow, which I think it probably will. He's a low-level starting option, had 18 carries against Miami back in Week 12, left Week 13 early, eight carries in the lopsided loss to Seattle, then 23 in the win over the Rams. So if the Jets somehow find a way to keep this game close, then Frank Gore could be a volume play. Obviously, yeah. the risk is that either the Browns pull away or that, you know, Frank Gore continues running at just three and a half yards per carry like he has all season. Yeah. yeah and to me, um, there's not enough upside to want to take on that risk. So I would, you know, not use Frank Gore if I could help it. I agree. If you're looking down an RB 30 range, you're like, Oh, okay. I'll take a guy who could get 18 to 20 carries this week. Future hall of famer, Frank Gore. There you go. Cincinnati Bengals at Houston Texans, Texans by nine here over under 46. Brandon Allen was limited Wednesday. His status really only matters, though, because it probably dramatically impacts Cincinnati's um, total passing attempts. They threw the ball 13 times in the win over Pittsburgh with Ryan Finley at quarterback. 38 pass attempts the week before, 27 and 29 the two games before that since Joe Burrow went down. So if it's Brandon Allen back in the lineup, we should see more passing, especially in a game where they should be trailing. Yeah, I mean, I think the game flow was the, the bigger factor in the low pass attempts against Pittsburgh. And I think if Houston jumps out to a lead here, which I expect, I think you'll get pass attempts, you know, back up into the 30s at least, whether it's Allen or Finley. You know, that said, I, yeah, I, I still, I think you you look at this matchup and you're like, oh, maybe Cincinnati's offense can do something here. 18 and a half point implied total, though. I think, you know, that tells you to, to keep expectations in check despite the matchup. Yes. I do think that if Brandon Allen would improve the outlook for the receivers, if it's Ryan Finley, I think we almost can't use Tyler Boyd or T Higgins. T Higgins though, did still see six targets in that game against Pittsburgh, despite the 13 pass attempts in that game. He had three straight five catch games before that without Joe Burrow in the lineup. So, I mean, I think T Higgins is in the bottom of that wide receiver three picture if Brandon Allen's back. 
Yeah, and the concussion for Tyler Boyd, um, I would bet on him not playing in this game. You know, he's only going to have six days to have cleared the protocol. So that that is a boost to Higgins' projected targets, too. The matchup's obviously great against Houston. So, I mean, I still wouldn't feel comfortable with it, but I, I do think Higgins, you know, has the potential to, you know, score as a wide receiver three this week. Yeah. Gio Bernard's a decent option, but don't overrate him off last week's numbers. 25 carries in that game against the Steelers. The five games before that saw him go for eight, nine, eight, 12, and three carries. So he's a much better bet for, you know, eight to 12 than he is for 25 again. It's a good matchup for rushing, but also a great chance that his team falls behind and he doesn't get the ball nearly as much. Yeah, and I mean, two weeks ago we saw the Bengals go away from Geo after the fumble and you know use some of their younger guys. So that that scares me a bit. But I, I think the best guess is that Bernard remains the clear lead back here. Even if you get you know twelve carries and a handful of targets, I think the matchup's good enough that you know Bernard could have a decent game here. On the target side, he's only seen nine total targets over the four games since Joe Burrow went down. So yeah. I mean, not even a great bet for passing volume if they do fall behind. Yeah, again, just keep that implied total in mind when you're, you know, weighing Bernard versus other options. I still don't think there's a, a high ceiling with him. Yeah, at no point when you're setting your lineup, think, oh, it's a good spot for Gio Bernard. That doesn't yeah, exist. Exactly. On the Texan side, you play everything. Yeah, all the obvious guys. I think I think Jordan Akins, you know, despite I, I still hate the guy for dropping that touchdown a couple of weeks ago, but he ha- he has six targets in two straight games now. It's a great spot for the Bengals or the Texans offense. A good individual matchup for Akins. So I think you know he's a low end tight end one option. I mean, clearly what Houston needs to do is target Jordan Akins outside the end zone and let him run it in because yeah. once he crosses that goal line, he develops force fields around both hands. He goes blind. Yes. Uh, Chad Hansen, by the way, targets were down last week, only saw three of them, caught two balls, but the playing time remains strong. He still topped 50 receiving yards on those two catches, mm-hmm. scored. He's not a good option, but I think Chad Hansen is also not totally out of the picture either. Yeah, I think he's a fine wide receiver four. Like you said, he's you know a full-time player playing with Deshaun Watson in a good matchup. So Anything else from that game? I mean, David Johnson, watch Duke Johnson's status. That was a big reason that, you know, DJ got 11 targets last week. I think you're probably starting him regardless because of the matchup. But, you know, I think David gets a a nice boost if Duke Johnson remains out. And Duke did not practice on Wednesday. So I think he's trending towards not playing again. Yeah. And as somebody with David Johnson in a championship week lineup, I've got my fingers crossed for no Duke Johnson this week. Mm -hmm. New York Giants at Baltimore Ravens. Ravens by 10 and a half over under 45. I mean, the Giants side, I don't want to touch anything. I guess like Evan Ingram is still a decent play. Um, you know, seven targets per game over the last four, but just not a lot of upside here. You know, Baltimore is weaker against tight ends than they are wide receivers. Maybe that pushes more volume towards Ingram. So he's a low ups, low upside, low end tight end one. Yeah, I, I'm probably playing Evan Ingram. It's doubtful that I have two uh, tight ends at that level at this point. Even Ingram, though, has gone four for 32, two for 18, four for 46 over the past three games. So, you know, decent, but not exciting. And Wayne Gallman crashed back to earth last week. Um, the week before that, a decent line, 12 carries for 50, for 57 yards, three catches against Arizona, but matchup with Baltimore is tougher. They're getting healthier on defense. So I would sure try not to use Wayne Gallman this week. Yeah. I mean, tough matchup, bad offense, not a great player. And, and Gallman's losing like too much work to Alfred Morris and, and Deion Lewis to, you know, really be counting on him. On the Baltimore side, you're playing Lamar Jackson. You're certainly playing Mark Andrews. We'll keep in mind though, for Lamar Jackson, that the, the Giants have been a tougher QB matchup on the year. Fourth fewest QB points allowed. Kyler Murray's production was a bit subdued a couple weeks ago. Baker Mayfield though, had no trouble last week. And even in that Kyler Murray Cardinals game, 
the Cardinals had 390 total yards, 26 total points. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is not a traditional quarterback, so you can't weigh the matchups the same way with him as you would with everybody else. So ultimately, I think I'm pretty easily starting Lamar Jackson. He gets back to the question of, do you play him against the Giants or Jalen Hurts against the Cowboys? And it's kind of the same thing as Kyler Murray. Do you go with the guy that you've seen for longer? You go with the guy that was hot last week. Lamar Jackson's been pretty hot for a few weeks now, so I think I would lean his way. Yes, the the you know elite rushing production is back for Lamar Jackson. Even if the passing matchup is on the difficult side here, I, I would play Lamar over Jalen Hurts this week. J.K. Dobbins has scored in four straight games. The worrisome point to him for me is just one target over his past three games. No yeah. more than two targets in a game since week six. Yeah, that that sucks. I mean, that's just the Ravens' offense. You know, they, they just don't target running backs, but. You know, it, it's a two-man committee here with Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Dobbins is the clear lead guy, and he's averaging about 13 targets per game over the last three. And even that, I think, is a bit muted because, you know, they've had some blowout wins where he's sort of been limited in the second half of the game. So I, I would project Dobbins up near, like, 15 carries in this game, and, you know, that's enough to make him a nice RB, too. I agree with that. Marquise Brown is still a boom bust. Three touchdowns in the past four games makes him look better. Eight, eight, six, and seven targets over those four games despite – some lower passing volume, but still five games among his past eight where he had three catches or fewer, two among his past three with 50 receiving yards or less. The Giants are a more favorable matchup for tight end than they are for wide receiver, and Marquise Brown figures to see a lot of James Bradbury in this game. Usage-wise, Marquise Brown's been like a wide receiver three over the last four weeks. He's 28th among wide receivers and targets over that span. He's 29th in air yards per game. So I think I, I consider him a wide receiver three with a you know huge range range of outcomes. He could score as a wide receiver one here. He could you know finish outside the top fifty. The Bradbury thing's interesting. He he to me is like a bigger corner who matches up better with you know bigger physical wide receivers. I think you know Marquise Brown's speed could give Bradbury trouble if that's you know a true shadow situation. Yeah, I would be. Uh, I mean, I would be less. I would be considering it less if the Ravens are actually using Marquise Brown well downfield, but they can't hit him in that range this year, and it's been a lot of shorter stuff for him. So, I mean, ultimately, I think you look at Marquise Brown, it makes you nervous, but then you look at the rest of the guys that are in like wide receiver thirty-six to wide receiver fifty range, and you're like, well, there's nobody else down there that I'm excited about either. Yeah, I mean, again, ideally you're using him as your wide receiver three or four or as a flex play where, you know, if he does dud, it doesn't kill your team. But again, he, he yeah, I think he still has, you know, potential to, you know, be a, a weak winner. Chicago Bears at Jacksonville Jaguars. Bears by seven and a half, over under 47. Bears have the, Bears are eighth in implied team total for the week. David Montgomery, one of the top running back plays. Mitchell Trubisky, three straight games of better than 70% completions. He's a solid option this week. He's had just one touchdown pass in two of the past three games. Jacksonville boosts everyone, though, so it really just depends on how Chicago wants to score points in this one. It's tough to say that Jared Goff is a better player right now than Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's played well for four games now, especially over the last three games, uh, 74% completion rate, 8.4 yards per attempt. His, His weekly fantasy finishes over those four have gone quarterback six, then 23rd, then seventh, and then 26. So he's been all over the map. And a lot of that is because, you know, the volume has been sort of up and down. David Montgomery has obviously been dominating a lot of these games. So there's downside here, especially if the Jags kind of don't put up a fight 
But, you know, again, if you're outside the top 12 quarterbacks this week, I think Trubisky has as much upside as anyone out there. Allen Robinson's obvious. Anthony Miller's a no after three targets, three total targets the past two weeks. Darnell Mooney is interesting, though. He's scored in two straight games. The targets have been decent. Going back from last week, five, two, six, and nine targets in the four games since Trubisky stepped back into the lineup. Four catches in two of the past three, 10 catches among his 13 targets over the past three games. So he's been efficient over the past three weeks. I think in like the Tim Patrick level of the rankings, Darnell Mooney makes sense. I think he might even be a little bit low in our rankings at the moment. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, Chad Hansen territory for me, you know, that that's kind of where I'd rank him. They're, they're, they're wide receiver fours, um, yeah. you know, in, in good matchups, but you know, decent volume. Yep. Cole Komet, just two catches last week, but he played every offensive snap that followed a pair of seven target games. Again, it's the Jaguars. So anybody who has any upside is a solid play. Yeah. I used Komet in DFS last week. I haven't got tight end right in DFS all season. So, you know, my bad for jinxing Cole Komet. Um, Season high in routes run at 77% for Cole Komet. So the usage was fine. The targets just didn't go his way. The matchup's good enough where I think, you know, he he's still a decent spot start option. On the Jaguars side, Doug Marone expects to rest James Robinson during the practice week, but it sounds like James Robinson still expects to play in the game. So we're gonna have to watch this situation through the week and watch it into the weekend. Probably, probably even keep an eye on Sunday morning reports after Robinson hurt an ankle last week. If he's active, it's going to be tough to not use him. Yeah, there hasn't been a lot of reporting on the ankle injury. I know the pro football doc, um, just based on the video, thought it was a high ankle sprain. So, you know, that that's concerning, especially if we don't see Robinson practice. I, I get it. He'd be tough to bench. He's been so good all season. But the matchup's tough if he's not 100%. You know, I, I, I would consider him more of an RB2 this week. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and we'll certainly be watching into the weekend. Really, no thanks for me on anything else, Jaguars, if I can help it. DJ Chark is in the Michael Gallup range of the rankings outside the top 36. Always upside. And again, I think that there's a chance that this is a competitive game, but you certainly can't bet on Chark or really any of the other Jaguars receivers at this point. No, um, you don't want to be batting on him. I think LaVisca Chanel isn't far off from DJ Chark, though, as an option this week. Uh, 17 targets over his last two games. He also has six carries in his four games back from injury. So he's, you know, he's getting some usage there as well. So, you know, they're, they're Char- Chark and Chanel, I'd consider them wide receiver fours. And that's all the more reason not to bet on any of them because Keelan yeah. Cole is also in the mix there. You can't even say this is the top Jaguars receiver. So in a, in this offense, in this matchup, I, I'm not betting highly on anybody. I, I mean, we don't even know who's going to play quarterback. Marone said uh, Minshew and Glennon are going to battle it out in practice this week for the starting gig. That is the saddest thing. Oh, my God. Why why would you not just start Gardner Minshew? Mike Glennon has played for several teams that have deemed him not starter material. He started a couple games for these Jaguars. There's no future in Mike Glennon. At the very least, let's see a couple more games of Gardner Minshew before he rides off into the backup sunset. I'll tell you why they go back to Glennon, because, again, they have the number one picker right now. They don't, they don't want to win another game. So I, I think Glennon gives them a, a, a lesser chance of winning this game than Minshew would. He stands head and shoulders above the rest as well. Denver Broncos at L.A. Chargers. Chargers by three and a half, over under 48 and a half, down one and a half from where it started. Philip Lindsay did not practice Wednesday with a hip injury. I think Melvin Gordon becomes a strong play if Lindsay sits 15 plus touches in three straight games with Lindsay in the lineup, even with Lindsay seeing 14, 13, and 13 touches in those games. I think if Lindsay's back and ready to go, both are still in play as RB options. I'm not starting Lindsay. He just hasn't been good for a while. And I do think he's banged up. And Melvin Gordon, by the way, five plus yards per carry in three straight games, averaging 87 yards per game, rushing over that span, also has 
seven catches on seven targets over the last two. They're using him a bit more in the passing game. Again, I, I think Lindsey just is not healthy, so I think they should sit him. I, I wouldn't be playing Lindsey if he ends up active. I think, you know, Gordon is a decent RB2 play who definitely gets a boost if they do hold Lindsey up. Yeah, and when I say Lindsey's an option, I mean we're talking if you're if you're the kind of player who is considering Naheem Hines this week, then Phil Lindsey <laughs> is in the consideration as well. Yep. The whole Denver passing game is only on an as-needed basis for me, regardless of matchup at this point. Drew Locke went yeah. back to being Drew Locke after the big game at Carolina, and there's uh, the matchup at Buffalo with Buffalo last week was fine, and they fell behind, so it was it should have been garbage time stuff, but. I mean, he had trouble getting enough time to throw and finding receivers when he did, and everything was short. Yeah, no thanks on Locke. I would not want to use any of the wide receivers. I do think Noah Fant, though, is a top 12 option this week. Um, He has 23 targets over his last three games with Drew Locke. You know, Fant's production has sort of been muted a bit by, you know, the illness he had two weeks ago. There was the game with Kendall Hinton a few weeks before that. So, you know, Fant's been good, though with Locke and the matchup's good against the Chargers. They're 27th in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. Yeah. And in his first meeting with the Chargers this year, caught seven balls, 47 yards on nine targets. So I uh, had a big game against the Bills last week. I agree with no offense, pretty easy start on the Chargers side. I guess I'm back to believing in Justin <laughs> Herbert. It's not as good a matchup this week as it was last week, but Josh Allen blew up the Broncos last Saturday. Right. Uh, it's worth keeping in mind with Herbert that he was sitting on 261 passing yards, two touchdowns, and a fantasy total that would have ranked outside of starter territory last week before overtime started. Now, I'm not saying that's an example of how Justin Herbert wasn't actually a good play last week because they also threw the ball less in that game before overtime. So if they had thrown to their normal level, uh, their normal volume, then maybe Justin Herbert would have had those big numbers before they got to OT. Yeah, I agree with all that. I'd feel fine with Herbert as my quarterback one this week. He's someone I would start Jalen Hurts over if I had – that decision to me it's really the matchup like if you look at the on paper stuff Denver looks pretty tough but they've had a bunch of cornerback injuries Um, like you said Josh Allen just torched them last week it looked really easy for Allen in that game so I I feel good about Herbert I would like to see Keenan Allen look better than you know obviously he was limited in that game against the Raiders he didn't practice on Wednesday with that hamstring so he's another big story that you know we'll have to keep an eye on over the next next couple days yeah, they said he was going to be on a pitch count. Uh, Thirty, He played 36% of the snaps in that game, saw three targets, one catch. So we'll see where he is heading toward the weekend. You're going to have to watch Shark Bites for updates on him. Mike Williams played about half his usual snaps, but he's off the injury report this week. He's got the back issue, so we'll have to watch and see if there are any setbacks with that. But if not, I mean, Mike Williams could be a solid option. Uh, always a boom bust, even yeah. at full health, but could be a solid option for this matchup with Denver. Yeah, I mean, always a boom bust. If Allen is still limited, I think, though, that helps Mike Williams' projected targets. Um, he went for 99 yards and a score in the first meeting with Denver. So, you know, um, I, I think he looks like a wide receiver three option again now that, you know, allegedly that the back isn't a concern anymore. And Justin Herbert might be better off if Keenan Allen's not in there because it frees him up to sling it wherever <laughs> he wants to instead of force feeding Keenan Allen all game. <laughs> exactly. On to Philadelphia Eagles at Dallas Cowboys. Eagles by two after the Cowboys open as one-point favorites. Over under a 49 and a half, and it's Jalen Hurts, the top story here, of course. Followed a nice fantasy outing against the Saints with a stellar fantasy outing against Arizona. Topped 40 fantasy points. He was a tenth of a point short of Josh Allen for top QB score on the week. Dallas is obviously the weakest defense that Jalen Hurts will have faced to date. Still, 
he has two NFL starts behind him. So there's a chance that we just get a down game because it's a young player in his third NFL start does sit seventh in our rankings. So pretty easily starting Jalen hurts over most guys this week. Some other sites have him higher. The questions that we've already kind of alluded to here, Jalen hurts versus guys like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, maybe Deshaun Watson. You're going to kind of have to decide whether you want to go for the, I don't know, current hot performer who it has the best matchup among, well, best matchup, at least among him, Jackson and Murray, or if you want to go for the guy who's been delivering you points for longer. Yeah. Like you said, we have him ranked quarterback seven behind Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. So, you know, that that's where I would start Jalen hurts. You could also argue him up to quarterback two. I think like I, you know, I, I wouldn't start him over Patrick Mahomes at home against Atlanta, but other than that, I wouldn't fault you for starting hurts over any of those other guys this week. Yeah, it, it is okay if you want to start him over everybody short of Patrick Mahomes. It's, he showed us last week that he's capable of scoring to that range, and the matchup has only gotten better here. So definitely it's a, it's a personal decision on how comfy you are with Jalen Hurts. Miles Sanders sits high in the rankings. Generous J- Dallas run defense this week. 17 carries against Arizona last week. That's his most since week, week three, so a fairly safe option. Yeah, I mean, his volume's up. Um, you know, like His share of the running back touches is up. I think I do think Jalen Hurts' mobility is helping Miles Sanders. So I, yeah, he, he's back to RB1 status. And that was safe in finger quotes for anybody listening after the fact. Mm-hmm. I would rather not play anybody else wearing green in this one, though. Jalen Hurts threw for 338 yards last week. No eagle mm-hmm. reached 70 receiving yards. Only Zach Ertz and Alshon Jeffrey eclipsed 50 receiving yards. And each of those guys only caught two balls in that game. Jalen Rager was the only Eagle with more than four receptions. Hertz has still been sub 60% completions in each of his starts so far. Alshon Jeffrey led the Eagles wide receivers in routes. That's so horrible. I'd like to see what Hertz could do if Ashley, you know, played Jalen Rager, played Travis Fulgham, who, you know, looked awesome for a lot of the season. But yeah, I, I, you're not trusting any of the wide receivers. I, th- I still think Dallas Goddard is a low end tight end one. Um, he has 14 targets in Hertz's two starts now caught four balls in both of those games and the Cowboys 31st in uh, football outsiders tight end coverage ranking. So a nice matchup for Goddard. Th- this was the game that Goddard came back. Right. And then Richard Rogers still had the big game against Dallas. So Goddard didn't do much in the first matchup, but the Eagles tight ends had a nice game as a whole. I think Dallas Goddard versus Hayden Hurst is basically a coin flip for me this week. Yeah, I'd go Goddard. I just you know like the player and like the offense in general better this week. On the Dallas side, Ezekiel Elliott returned to a limited practice Wednesday. Fantasy owners probably wish that he wouldn't play at this point so we could just use Tony Pollard. But, I mean, he didn't practice at all last week, so a limited Wednesday makes it look like he's probably trending toward playing. Yep, I'm expecting him to play. You know, Dallas still fighting for the division here, so there's reason for Zeke to come back. His, his last game, you know, two weeks ago, Zeke and Pollard basically split work, you know, carries and targets. I would kind of expect that to be the case, you know, especially after Pilot's performance last week. So I think that makes both guys like only RB3 options. Yeah, Zeke hasn't still hasn't scored a rushing touchdown since week five. Um, like you said, probably seed some work to Tony Pollard here. And last week, Tony Pollard got nine targets in Zeke's absence, six for 63 receiving in that game. That was the most targets for a Dallas running back since week six. You can't argue that Pollard doesn't look better than Zeke right now. And the offense just looks better because of that. But, you know, Zeke's making 90 mil or whatever. So Dallas is going to throw him back on the field. Yeah. Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, I think should be PPR starters. And Michael Gallup's looking like a top 45 guy as well. The hip injury last week 
uh, limited him, but put in a full practice Wednesday. So it doesn't look like it's going to be an issue for week 16. Michael Gallup actually leads the team in targets since Andy Dalton returned from the concussion and the COVID list. 35 targets for him in that span, 32 for Cooper, 31 for Lamb. So certainly not a situation where he is the target leader. Um, Mm -hmm. It's closely bunched among the three. And I think that's really where they belong in the rankings is none of them too far ahead of the others and none of them too high. Yeah, good matchup for all three. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if one of these guys had a really nice game. We talked about, you know, Cooper prior to last week. He he had been steady even, you know, without Dak Prescott. C.D. Lamb started the same case, four-plus catches in six of his last seven games. Gallup's been the guy who's been, you know, more a boomer bust. He, he, he still gets more of those, you know, low-percentage downfield shots. You know, he he's in wide receiver four range. The other two are, you know, wide receiver threes. Mm-hmm. I would say Michael Gallup is a, a better bet than Chad Hansen in the same yeah. range. Yeah, I'd rank him right above uh, Hansen and Mooney and those types. Dalton Schultz's volume has fallen off lately. Four, three, and two targets in his past three games. Caught all of those at least. Six catches for 53 yards on eight targets in the last Philly meeting. That, of course, was the Ben DiNucci game. Dalton Schultz is in play. Definitely not a guy to chase at this point, though. Yeah, his routes have still been good, 88 and 90% the past two weeks. So his his you know usage hasn't really changed. The looks just haven't went his way. The, the matchup is good enough here. I wouldn't be surprised if he you know pops back up for a decent game. And Andy Dalton doesn't reach the level of being an attractive option for me this week. Nope, maybe another guy uh, take a shot on in DFS tournaments as we did a few weeks ago. But season long, you should be able to do better. LA Rams at Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks by one and a half here, over under a 47 and a half. On the Rams side, no Cam Akers with the high ankle sprain. So that sh- maybe that means a greater lean toward the passing game. We'll see, though. Daryl Henderson has certainly been pretty good at times when we, when Cam Akers wasn't a thing this year. He climbs into the top 24 in our running back rankings. I think Malcolm Brown at least climbs into relevant range for needy running back owners. Both of these guys scored in the first meeting with the um, with the Seahawks. Yeah, three total touchdowns for Rams running backs in that first game. Um, you know, Seattle, Seattle's still a pretty good run defense, though, so I don't think it's a great you know matchup on the ground for Henderson. I do think Henderson handles most of the carries. Malcolm Brown, though, you know, he he for most of the season has been the preferred pass catching back for LA. So you know that that kind of you know hurts the ceiling on Henderson. That still makes me chuckle every time I hear it. Just thinking yeah. of sitting there in July and one of us saying. You know, Malcolm Brown is going to be the pass catcher here on a team with uh, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. Crazy. <laughs> Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, fairly easy plays, I think, against the Seattle secondary. No thanks on the tight ends at this point, for me at least. Maybe you feel differently. No, I mean, Higby has been better lately. And it, it, the Rams did go heavy two tight end sets in that first meeting with Seattle, which we had seen recently until last week, they sort of went back to more three wideout stuff. So it's always a guessing game, how McVay is going to attack here. So yeah, Higby has upside, but he's outside the top 12. Jared Goff. I don't know what the hell happened to the Rams on hole against the jets. Jared Goff did at least manage 18 fantasy points. So it's not good, especially considering the matchup with the Jets, but not a total dud at least. He's QB 14 in total points for the season, QB 21 in points per game, if you count Marcus Mariota in that group. Seahawks remain the fourth best scoring matchup in the league for quarterbacks. They allowed just two total touchdown passes over the past three games, but they also faced Colt McCoy, Sam Darnold, Dwayne Haskins in that span. Goff threw for 302 in that first meeting. The Rams scored a decent 23 points, as we mentioned three rushing touchdowns. So it should have been a good golf game. He just was lacking the touchdowns. Yeah. Golf is such a 
tough call for me this week. What we saw last week doesn't inspire any confidence. Um, he's on the road here in a big game, like from a real life perspective. I don't know if I trust Goff in that spot from like a real life perspective. I still think Seattle's past D is not good. You mentioned the three teams they faced uh, over the past three weeks. If you look at their DVOA marks on Football Outsiders, they're they're a bit better as far as pass defense goes, but you know still subpar. So it's a good matchup, like you said, Goff. Played well against Seattle earlier this season, even though the fantasy numbers weren't big. Even look back to last year in their two meetings, uh, 395 yards, one touchdown, one interception in the first meeting, 293 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions in the second meeting. So he, he has had success against this offense. I, I, I think it's a massive range of outcomes for Jared Goff this week. I think it's you know definitely possible that you have a, a safer option, but you know he, he could easily finish the week as a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, there's not not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of separation I don't think between Jared Goff at 12 and uh, Kirk Cousins I think at 18 in our rankings right now that range of guys really could finish in any order Jared Goff we, we know there is upside into the top eight this week because of the matchup but we also know that there's downside to like QB 22 exactly the guys that I have him specifically compared with talking about Jared Goff still Drew Brees Russell Wilson Mitchell Trubisky in the same range. I wouldn't argue with with starting any of those guys over Jared Goff this week. I think Russell Wilson would actually be my last play among those four. Looking at our rankings, I'd start Drew Brees over Goff. Um, both guys looked horrible last week. I just I, I think Brees is a better bet for fantasy points this week. Other than that, though, I think you know I like Goff where he would be. Russell Wilson, there there's nothing you can point to in the numbers that say he's a good play this week. Like he has not been good. Lately, it really started with that first game against the Rams. He finished quarterback 15 that week. Since then, he's gone 13th, 19th, 20th, 9th. That was against the Jets. I mean, you know, ninth against the Jets is sort of disappointing. Then he was quarterback 30 last week. The Rams are first in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. The Rams have only allowed two top 12 quarterback performances all season. So if you start Ross, you just have to be banking on the fact that like it's Russell Wilson in a big game at home, maybe he, you know, figures out a way, but yeah, I think he belongs outside the top 12 quarterbacks this week in rankings. I'm not sure it really is him. I think there's a shapeshifter <laughs> in New Jersey these days. I mean, Ryan Finley beat him last week in fantasy points and yards per pass attempt. Russell Wilson gave us 121 passing yards against Washington, a season low in fantasy points, even though he ran for 52, it was the third game under 20 in his past four, fourth among the past six. The previous low came in that first meeting with the Rams, despite 60 rushing yards in that one through two picks. It's the only game all year he didn't throw a touchdown pass. The Rams are still good in defense, fourth in overall defensive DVOA, fourth against the pass. They're fortunate they don't have to go up against Ty Johnson and Frank Gore this week. I mean, the thing with Russell Wilson, too, is even if he doesn't throw up a dud here, even if he's okay, I don't think there's really ceiling potential in him. So I'm not scared of sitting Russell Wilson in week 16, as yep. odd as that would have seemed like a week and a half or a week and a half, a month and a half or two months ago. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think, I think Breeze, I think even Goff has a higher ceiling in this game. I, I don't think benching Ross is going to you know sink you. I agree. I, I think Kirk Cousins has a higher ceiling than Russell Wilson this week. I wouldn't go that far. I'm, I mean, I'm lower on Cousins than you. Again, I, I think that Saints defense is really good. Yeah, I think we've established how what a Kirk, Kirk Cousins hater you are. Yeah. DK Metcalf, by the way, gets Jalen Ramsey this week. He was quiet in the first outing, uh, nearly snagged a long touchdown catch that was just a bad throw from Wilson, would have been a touchdown. Saw four targets in that game, two catches for 28 yards. 
Metcalf did go um, six catches, 78 yards against Ramsey last season. He's someone I, you downgrade in the matchup. I would not bench him. I, I still think Metcalf could have the type of ceiling week where you really, you know, shoot yourself for, for not starting him. Yes, I agree with that. It's a bad matchup. He didn't do well in the first one. Russell Wilson's playing like crap. But I think that's the kind of, that's the guy who fits into the start your studs thing that is definitely overused. But imagine sitting here at this point next week, having lost your fantasy matchup because you played, I don't know, Emmanuel Sanders or somebody like that over DK Metcalf. And then Metcalf caught five balls for 120 and two touchdowns. Exactly. Tyler Lockett does get a better coverage matchup. Went five catches for 66 yards on nine targets in the first meeting where I mentioned Metcalf only saw four. He scored only once in the past eight games, though, and he has not reached 70 yards in a game since that blow-up outing against Arizona. He's averaging five catches, 47.3 yards per game since then on 6.9 targets per game. Tyler Lockett has basically turned into Sterling Shepard. Oh my God. So that's, that's sad. Yeah. He finished PPR wide receiver 31 in that first game against the Rams. That was his second best finish among his last eight. You know, he, he's been hurting you more than helping you. I still think he's okay to stick with his wide receiver three, but you know, you're not, you're not expecting one of those blow up games here. Yeah. I think Lockett is okay to stick with, especially in PPR. I think something that's probably made people hesitant to sit Lockett at times since then is that blow up game against Arizona, but really that's the one game that he's had like that this year. Even the nine catch, hundred yard, three touchdown game against Dallas in week three, he saw 13 targets, which led the team, but Metcalf saw nine targets in that game. So the Arizona game is really the only game where Seattle said, we're just going to feed Tyler Lockett this game. Yeah. And again, like unlike Metcalf, I'd be surprised if you get like a performance from Lockett that really, you know, that, that you're, that you're pissed for not playing him. Yeah, I agree with that. Chris Carson missed the first meeting between these two teams. Last week, though, handled 15 of the 19 running back carries against Washington. Carlos Hyde scored the lone rushing touchdown, but it came from 50 yards out, so I wouldn't use that to make me worry about him. The the annoying thing was that they each saw three targets in that game. Mm -hmm. Both of those combine for Chris Carson, and he gets six targets. He's a much better play. It's not a great spot against the Rams this week. Carson's inside the top 24. I think he's more RB2 territory for me, though, than where he sits in our rankings right now. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think there's, again, I mean, I think you can tell just based on us talking about this game, I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game with a you know ton of fantasy points. So I don't think it's a you know blow-up spot for Chris Carson. The Rams have been good against the run all season, tough against running backs. Um, but you know, I think Carson's a volume play. I do think you're going to get you know 15 to 20 touches out of him. Yeah, I'd feel decent about him, but uh, I wouldn't feel awesome about the spot that he's going into. Rams have been tough overall on defense, and like you said, I don't expect a lot of points in this one. Seahawks are just 15th in implied team total for this week. Tennessee Titans at Green Bay Packers on Sunday night. Packers by 3.5, over under 56. That is the highest of the week. You play everyone in contention here. I think the matchup, the matchup, pushes upside for both QBs. Ryan Tannehill's QB seven on the season, seven touchdown passes over his past three games. Yeah, I, I, I freaking love this game. I don't see either defense stopping either offense. I, I checked this morning. It looks like the weather is going to be fine. It's going to be cold. It's Green Bay in December, but nothing to be worried about. So yeah, I think you're starting everyone. I think even Jonu Smith jumps back into like spot start consideration. He's been on the field the last two weeks, 71 and 80% of the routes. Did get five targets last week. Uh, I, I joked on Sunday morning, you know, Jeff Swain was out. So that, that gave Janu the target boost because, you know, yeah, that's what, what he's battling with for targets nowadays. But, um, you know, Green Bay actually has been decent against tight ends this season. But I, I just think there's a 
pretty nice touchdown ceiling on John W. Smith in this game. Yeah, it should be a fun game to watch. I'm, I'm kind of glad that it's off the main slate so we can <laughs> focus on other games here. Yeah. Um, on the Packers side, congrats if you made it through last week's down game from Aaron Rodgers. It at least stopped short of being an actual dud. I mean, the rushing TD helped him get nearly to 20 fantasy points. Just the third game all year that Aaron Rodgers has been under 26 fantasy points. So, you know, it's a little bit worrisome to see a game like that, but I wouldn't let it change my plans for Aaron Rodgers this week. Nope, just prime bounce back spot here at home against Tennessee, who is horrible against the pass. And I think otherwise all the usuals are strong options, including Robert Tunyon, who scored for the fifth straight game last week. Uh, Alan Lazard over Marquez Valdez-Scantling, both in our rankings and in my mind. MVS had his third game of zero catches among his past four. Uh, He's probably too high in our rankings right now. He's basically, if we replaced his name with Aaron Rodgers wide receiver, it's like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, I mean, he, he has the upside to hit a long one, but more likely than not, he's going to hurt you. I agree with Lazard. Um, Lazard actually matched MVS in routes run last week for the first time since coming back from injury. So we've sort of seen slowly Lazard kind of passing MVS in playing time. I think, you know, that's going to continue. So I, I think Lazard is in play as a wide receiver three again, just because I expect a ton of points in this game. Yeah, Lazard is just a safer bet for targets. Coming off a five-catch, 56-yard game against Carolina. Not a high ceiling, but much higher floor than MVS. Yep. Buffalo Bills at New England Patriots on Monday night to close this out. Mm-hmm. Bills by seven, over under 46. A wacky game the first time these two teams met. Josh Allen threw just 18 passes in that game. Right. The Bills ran it 38 times, which was a bizarro version of this year's Bills because they've been reluctant to run the ball in other games, even with big leads. So we had 14 carries apiece from Devin Singletary and Zach Moss in that game. I would not expect anything similar to that here, but it is a good matchup where maybe they do try to run the ball a little bit more. Yeah, that was my biggest note here. It's just that, you know, Buffalo went run heavy in that first game against New England, really for the only time this season. If not, you know, there's only been a few times. So, um, and New England is, I think, much tougher against the pass and the run. They, they did lose Stephon Gilmore which, you know, hurts the pass defense, helps Josh Allen, obviously. Allen still hasn't figured out this New England defense. You know, he had two rough games against them last year. Wasn't great as a passer in the first meeting, but I think with the rushing upside with Gilmore out, you're, you know, you're, you're still starting Josh Allen. He He's the one guy among the guys ahead of Jalen Hurts where I'd be tempted to play Hurts just because, again, he struggled against New England. This just seems like a kind of low-scoring, ugly game. I don't think you're going to get – a ceiling performance out of Josh Allen. But again, you know, he, he's been so good all season. He'd, he'd be tough to bench. Yeah. To me, Josh Allen over Jalen hurts seems like the dance with the one that, that brought you a question where yep. Josh Allen basically got you to this point. And I know that the history against new England is tough, but new England was a lot better on defense last year did have Stefan Gilmore for the first meeting. And again, like I mentioned, they only threw the ball 18 times. So it's not like Josh Allen threw 40 passes in that game yeah. and had a bad outing. I doubt that they throw the ball that little in this one, even if they do run it more. There's nothing scary on the New England defense. So uh, we, we've only had two other games all year where Josh Allen threw fewer than 33 passes. So I would keep Josh Allen in my lineup and try not to overthink it. If Jalen Hurts outscores him and Josh Allen struggles, then you say, oh, well, Josh, we had a good season. I forgive you, and I'll still draft you next year. Yeah, I don't think Josh Allen's going to, like, bomb either. Like, I think he'll be fine. Now, that, that That's assuming Stephon Diggs plays in this game. He, mm-hmm. he hurt his foot in that game last week. Um, he practiced on 
Wednesday, though. It wasn't an official practice because this is a Monday night game. But, you know, the fact that he was out there on Wednesday, I think he'll be fine for this one. Cole Beasley saw just two targets in that first meeting. Patriots have faced the fewest pass attempts in the league, 30 per game. So, you know, we'll see. There's some risk to that. But the Bills are averaging 37 pass attempts per game. I would expect something in that 30 to 37 range. And I, with that in mind, I think Cole Beasley is fine this week. I think he's fine. Um, it sounds like John Brown's going to be back, and you know Beasley has seen quite a, quite a bit more volume. Eight point six targets in games without John Brown this season. Six targets per game with Brown. So I, I think you downgrade Beasley if Brown is out. I still think he's in the wide receiver three mix. Zach Moss two straight games of thirteen carries versus seven and eight for Devin Singletary playing yeah. Zach Moss this week. Yeah, I, I, he's he's in you know running back three range for me again. You know since the game he got benched for the fumble he's sort of re-emerges the top guy here at least on the ground and I think there's at least a chance Buffalo goes run heavier again you know they had success in that first meeting Um, Singletary had 86 yards on his 14 carries Moss had 81 yards on his 14 carries and the Patriots run defense is no better now than it was then yeah it would make sense for the Bills to at least run the ball more in this game than they usually do you know to 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 heal up Stephon Diggs to help John Brown not get hurt again to save Josh Allen a little bit and because there's really no reason to believe that the Patriots are going to score a bunch of points and make this one scary exactly just you know get get your win Bills and, and get out in New England and I mean on the other side I'm basically not using anything from New England unless I have to no, I mean, Jacoby Myers popped back up last week. He did have six catches and 10 targets in the first meeting against Buffalo. So, you know, he's an option, but not an exciting one. Yeah, he's okay if you need him. Uh, we'll see whether Damian Harris plays in this game. Limited Thursday and Friday ruled out before the game last Sunday. Um, so we'll see about his practice week this week. Sony Michelle, of course, 10-7 and 10 carries over the past three games, 74 yards against Miami. So even if Damian Harris is back, it's not clear that he would be the lead back. Yeah, and Buffalo's run defense has been better lately. Um, they've held running backs to just 3.8 yards per carry over their last four games. So, you know, the, the Patriots' backs are beneath really both Buffalo backs for me in this game. And James White's coming off a solid four for 52 receiving line. He totaled five <laughs> catches for two yards over his previous three games. So I would look past him. Yeah, not an option. That's going to do it for this Week 16 Preview Podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. Check our full rankings for Week 16. Make sure you check back throughout the week as we adjust for injuries and other news. Keep up with Shark Bites, even if you're not a DS insider, to make sure that you have the latest on any players that you might be counting on for your Week 16 fantasy lineups. We won't be doing our DFS podcast this week, but you can find the usual weekly DFS articles on DraftSharks.com, along with our lineup generator to help get your lineup set win some money this weekend. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at Draft Sharks. Jared is at Smola DS. I am at Shouf DS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F for Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew. I'm Matt Shouf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 